This is the Edumatch Podcast Network, bringing you amazing educators sharing their love of learning one show at a time. The Edumatch Podcast Network is proud to support this show and many others. Find out more at edumatchpn.com. The ideas and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of the individual podcaster. This is TLC Ninja, a podcast for teachers by teachers about classroom innovation. Welcome to episode 84 of TLC Tech Learn Coffee. I'm your host, Lisa Nowakowski, a fifth grade teacher from South Monterey County here in California. And I'm Nancy, an innovation technology coast in Beverly Hills, California. And just a reminder, we have a 15-minute format because ain't nobody got more time than that. No, they don't. And here is our coffee fact for today. So if drinking your daily dose of Java isn't enough, you can wear it too. And I am not talking, if you know me, you know that I spill coffee on myself all the time. I'm not talking about wearing it in that way. There are, in fact, a lot of makeup products that include coffee, including scrubs with coffee grounds to exfoliate your skin and make it lovely, caffeine-infused eye cream to Depuff your eyes, coffee scented bronzer, and lots more. So, we're going to include a list, um, or rather, a link to that in our show notes. Okay, and tonight's guest is Jennifer Stimson. I'm so excited to be chatting with her. Fun fact we actually met on, um, where was it? Galapagos. On a tour together with the Geo Tour group. Um, so she'll be talking to us tonight about STEM and STEM mentors. But first, Jennifer, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do. All that good stuff. So hi, everybody. My name is Jennifer Stimson, and I, like Lisa, am a fifth grade teacher. I work at an independent school in Dallas. And even though I wish the clock would tick backwards. I am celebrating 20 years as a, as a science teacher this year. And all of my teaching experience has been in Texas. And I used to teach high school chemistry. Now I'm teaching fifth graders and my subject matter is earth science. And I absolutely love the different demographics of students because the aha moments are just so wonderful when you get to see them see their own light bulb. So I'm excited to be here and I look forward to talking to everybody. Well, we're really excited to have you. I know you're an amazing educator. Um, so first of all, I'd like to start off by asking, what is a STEM, uh, STEM mentor? And is it a supporting of teachers? And if so, how do you support teachers? So a STEM mentor actually is any adult who is about advocacy for student learning in science education and giving students the opportunity to expose themselves, that sounds crazy, giving the students the opportunity to be exposed to science <laughs> activities. And usually because the adults are um, often their teachers or their first line of defense towards um, invo involving activities of science to for kids, um, the mentor is someone who guides you along that path because you might never have decided that you wanted to be a scientist until you actually came across someone who encouraged that interest in you. And so the mentor is that person who helps you along the way to guide your interest. And it's more than just a teacher. It's just that person who keeps you striving for what it is that you really want to be. It could be your Girl Scout troop leader. It could be your mom's best friend who happens to be a pharmacist. It could be non-traditional STEM um, individuals. So I don't always want to li limit it to astronauts and physicists and geologists, but there's an entire 
quadrant of uh, people out there who are scientists that we often overlook, but it's anyone who is guiding that group of students on their pathway towards STEM success. I love that you're not just focusing on, you know, astronauts and like the typical. Oh, gosh, yes. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. great. And I love that it could be anybody and who's exposing these, you know, anybody to explore the love of science. And I know you have a really huge love of science and a passion for it. Yeah. Um, so why is, are, is uh, STEM and STEAM so important in education? Well, as you know, um, in the next 20 years, the entire world is going to be technologically driven. And having that technological knowledge and know-how and being able to integrate higher learning thinking skills that require science knowledge is going to be what we need to continue to keep the Americas you know, in the forefront of STEM leaders and science engineering leaders. And so it's really important that we ensure that kids are exposed to a variety of different um, challenging concepts in science, um, but as well as just knowing how to think deeply about any kind of product. So any kind of um, approach to problem solving is really important. Um, a lot of people think that science is a thing, but it's not. It's more or less like a process. But if you approach it, if, if for people who still see it as a thing, I would consider it like a foreign language. So how you go in and learn Spanish or French or German when you're in seventh grade, approach that the same way, knowing the vocabulary, knowing the foundation, knowing how to understand and how to implement it into your vocabulary. And then as an extension, applying it, meaning going out and using the techniques that you use in a way that's different than math, in a way that's different in your English classes, but knowing how to see science as part of your everyday experiences. So it's important because if we don't, then we'll be left behind and we cannot afford to be left behind. I love that you say that science is a process and not a thing. I think like when I was going to school, it was just yeah. another subject and yeah, it was a thing and you had to memorize the facts. Whereas now, as you've stated, it is much more of the process and the thought and the thinking and the deeper understanding and working through those problems. Right. I mean, I could be selfish and say that science teachers have a harder job than English teachers, but I don't want to, you know, start any fights about with, with anybody on, on, online about the English teachers coming after us because we didn't put a comma in the right way. But in our world, the comma <laughs> actually means an exponential situation that's way more important than the number of words that come before that sentence as a pause. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not going to start anything. <laughs> no, I'm not. not. <laughs> so... I love that, you know, there are so many things out there and we hear the word STEM and STEAM being thrown around a lot. And, and I truly believe that as educators, we do want to understand and incorporate these, um, you know, into our lessons. But I think that we're not also, I know I will speak for myself, not savvy enough quite yet with understanding how to incorporate that even more seamlessly into uh, my classroom. Mm -hmm. So how can teachers begin or, you know, to easily incorporate the STEM process or STEM into their lessons or classrooms? So I would say starting small, every kid in the United States of America has a cell phone. Okay, if they don't, enough of them do. So if we start with technology, I'm, I'm definitely loyal to the S, but for the sake of conversation, we'll, we'll talk about the T, the technology, the word in STEM. So think about um, integrating, um, integrating STEM, not from a, a, a huge perspective, but just something simple. For example, a statistical approach. Um, give every kid a magazine and have them 
count the number of times they see a particular uh, science-related activity or product or phenomenon in a magazine. And um, here's the situation with that. Um, when you're doing that, you're creating a statistical opportunity for the kids to count, for the kids to evaluate, to the, for the kids to grouping, all the aspects of science, but it's not always technological. I mean, it's not always um, a hard science approach. It could actually be a mathematical approach or a different approach. So I would say if you're incorporating it, look for ways that kids already learn and, in, and enhance that. It doesn't always have to be something that's brought in. It's a reformatting and a reframing of what you always do, already do in a way that's incorporating some kind of um, science facet. Like that, that would be, for example, I teach um, plate tectonics and I use Oreo cookies when I talk about the layers. I use the dark cookie and the, the light cookie to represent um, the oceanic layer as well as the um, um, crust. So it's just a whole different approach. So basically you can just reframe your lesson, but teach, teach the same kind of lesson, but reframe it or just give it that STEM aspect. Exactly. It's the same lesson, just give it the STEM aspect. Yes. Okay. And that sounds actually doable. Um, <laughs> so let me ask you then, um, what are some resources that teachers can use to get started? Because if I'm not teaching plate tectonics, mm -hmm. then I could, you know, I could use the Oreos for other things. We could do Oreo stacking and analyze how high and make predictions and those oh, kinds okay. of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but where might teachers who want to go in another direction um, or who teach other subjects, where could they find resources? Well, I, I would immediately defer online. And if you're in a public school, what's, what's really important is to find out what, what your state's um, requirements are for your science education um, activities and see if there's already access and resources to what's available and how your, kid, how your students are supposed to learn as well as what's available in your state. Um, I'm a big fan of um, Google. I, I'm really trying really hard not to make that a verb in my vocabulary, but I'm sucking at that. But the idea of looking for um, resources, I mean, I'm, I hate to say it, but I actually also go back to my college chemistry books and other textbooks that are out there to reinforce what I've already, what, what's already been done and just find a new way to approach it. So like looking at it, um, you know, getting an old textbook and say, oh, this is how they approached um, electron configuration. Let's figure out how we can modify that and make it a 2019 thing and not necessarily a 1989 thing. I like that. And um, I used to use a website, I think it's still around, um, Better Lesson. And they had a lot of things and I'm just looking for it while we're talking, but I can't find it. I think it's betterlesson.com or betterlessons.com. And I think it's better lesson, but they, oh, here, better lesson. Yeah, yeah I found it too. Lesson plans, common core. Right. Because every yeah. school is different. Like for me, I don't teach at a, at a public school or a charter school. So my students are held to different academic um, requirements than public school teachers and public school students are. So knowing what's required at your school also helps with, um, knowing what to teach and where to go get the resources. So basically, so that's a good idea. Then teachers can um, start by going to maybe their state website. And also, um, I believe, are there things on the uh, NGSS website that might be useful? 
Absolutely. There's, that's always, you can always go there. You can always go to NSF. You can also go to um, national science websites, um, such as like the, um, oh gosh, I can't think of it right now, but the, but where you can find earthquake information, there's lots of resources there. The National Geological Society has websites, have, has um, information on their sites. And so depending on what the topic is that I'm teaching in class, um, I will go to that particular site and figure out how to stemify it even more or work on some things. But, but, but I do want to bring something up. Um, we, I was just making a joke just a second ago about the, the folks in English and literacy, but science literacy is also very important. And literacy, of course, is knowledge of and application of, but I don't want people to lose how important it is to physically write things out. I'm so afraid that people are overlooking that students don't write enough. And when, we, when I mean write, I actually physically meaning the movement of their hands, because in soon, soon you won't even need to know how to write. You can just press a button and that will you know, authenticate your, your signature. But in science, we do a lot of writing. We do a lot of dictating or communicating our findings, our results. But when, for those of us who teach younger kids, it's really important to incorporate writing and making sure that they're able to transcribe, physically transcribe their data so that they can have that. Because gone are the days or the old school lab notebooks where I had to write on every single line. There was a process. But I want to ensure that for every field of science in K-12, that it's important to include the, the physical transcription of writing because I don't want that to be lost even though we're using technology and, and we're using computers, but it's really important to ensure that students are able to dictate their words onto paper. So physical science journals and those kind of things, even, um, even if they have a cell phone or they have different things to record or different devices right. to record. I think, I think that's really important. One of the advantages that we have today though is that you can use the cell phone to say, take a picture of the science process or what you're describing, but then actually physically writing the description of what's happening or transcribing your findings. Right. You know, there's that, there's that science with about um, when you're able to write it down, you remember it more. And I, I tend to believe that's true because if I say, take a picture, take a selfie, I haven't done anything because there's nothing that's requiring me to continue that process or that activity further other after I say take a picture then I'm on to the next thing and perfect that was our timer so um do you have any final thoughts or things you'd like to share with the listeners I think that the listeners should take advantage of every opportunity for science education and podcasts such as these so thank you so much ladies for making this opportunity possible, not just for me, but for all the listeners and all the people who are looking to make the world a better place. I thank you for that. Oh, thank you. And thank you. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you to the listeners uh, for listening. And um, our comment question for tonight is, how do you incorporate STEM into your classroom? So we're looking forward to seeing what you have to say. Uh, please join us Wednesday, September 18th to hear our next episode with an inspiring educator. 
And please don't forget to subscribe to hear more about easy ways for you to innovate in your classroom. If you liked the show, and of course you did, please rate and leave a review on iTunes so that it's easier for others to find us. Remember, we are always looking for guests to share the great things that they are doing in their classrooms. So if you know someone who fits the bill, or if you'd like to be a guest, please visit tlc.ninja and complete the contact form to let us know. Thanks.